Everyone has a story to tell. Welcome to Dingo Talk, where we explore the experiences that make us who we are. Here's your host, Carlo Guadagnino. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is from a completely different conference than the two conferences that we have covered predominantly on this show. He is a member of the MAC, uh, and that is Isaac Collins, the head coach of Albright College. Uh, before we go any further, thank you if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, make sure you hit that little bell with the like and subscribe thing. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. The only one different is the Instagram page, Stingo underscore talk. Uh, coach Isaac Collins brings 25 years of experience into his second season at Albright. Um, and we're going to talk to him about where the, the program is, where he plan, where they plan on going, what the message is for the alumni, what he's looking for in a student athlete, and we're going to get to know the MAC a little bit. So without further ado, this is Coach Isaac Collins. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. And this week we are joined by Albright head football coach, Coach Isaac Collins. Coach, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Super excited. So, Coach, we as we were talking before we started recording, it was a heck of a an ordeal to get our schedules lined up and whatnot. I'm glad that we could get you on the show. I'm going to do this like I do every week. I'm going to take you back in. I'm going to take you into the time machine, back into the past for a little bit. We're going to work our way to today. So, let's talk about you in 1990. Why the decision to go to Rochester? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a neat story in that um, the defensive coordinator at the University of Rochester at the time uh, was a longtime family friend. Uh, so my, my cousin had actually played for him. He was a, a, a head coach at Aquinas uh, mm -hmm. in Rochester. And uh, so I got to know him, like, you know, since I was in, like, seventh, eighth grade. And, and to know uh, Coach Tags. Uh, you know, to say he's a fiery Italian would be, uh, you know, uh, an understatement. Uh, but, you know, he treated me from seventh grade to the four years I played for him the same way. So uh, so it was kind of that relationship that had established. Uh, but, you know, the really sidebar to it is uh, my two older brothers played in a Section 5 championship game at Falver Stadium. Okay. And I was ball. So I, um, you know, I was just really, I was like, you know, young, I don't know, I was fifth, sixth grade, whatever it was, but, um, you know, really was like, wow, this, this is, this is pretty neat, pretty cool. And uh, so now you fast forward to, I'm looking at schools. I kind of had University of Rochester on my radar. It really kind of checked the boxes for my mom that like she wanted me to go to a really good academic school. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to play football. I, I you know, I, I don't mince words with it. You know, I, you know, wherever I could play ball and I, you know, you know, went on this tour of visiting schools because I wanted to make sure. So I visited mm -hmm. pretty much everyone and in, in, in their mother. I was uh, out at Albany State with Coach Ford. You know, I went to Ithaca, I went, you know, Buff State. You know, it was it was the the full gamut. So it was on a trip out to uh, visit Albany. You know, uh, for an overnight. Our bat, the uh, U of R's basketball team was, uh, I think, in like the uh, lead eight or whatever, and they were playing at Albany. So I'm walking down with Bob Ford 
coming in the other direction is Rich Perinello, the head football coach at the University of Rochester. So he's trying to figure out, you know, like, one, what am I doing there? And secondly, as he puts it together, you can see the rage in his eyes. You know, he's saying, okay, so let me get it straight. He drives all the way out to Albany to visit, and he has not visited the University of Rochester yet. So when I get home, it's, you know, my mom's like, Coach the Tagler's been calling, like, on the hour, every hour. You know, so I'm like, oh, no. So I, I Waiting for phone. you. But he's used some explosives that I won't use here because this may be, you know, kid-friendly, but he got after me. And I said, look, I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to be playing in a Ronald McDonald All-Star game. You know, uh, I was planning on visiting you guys when I play in that game. And after the game, I'll just stay overnight, you know. So at that point, you know, I knew that, you know, I'd visit all the places. I knew that Rochester was for me. So barring them spitting on me, you know, I'm going to go to the Rock. So I go up, I, I play in the All-Star basketball game. Afterwards, I get hosted, uh, you know, paired up with uh, a host. Uh, he's like, you know, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I'm kind of tired. Let's, you know, let's just get something to eat. And we just go back and hang out in your room. So we go to the commons, we get something to eat. We go back to his room and I fall asleep. So the next morning, uh, you know, the typical coach, you know, when you when you got a guy that you're excited about, hey, how did it go? Hey, you know, like he's all, you know, he's got all the juice going. You know, he, you know, he goes to my host, you know, what did you guys do? Uh, I went to my room and he went to bed and you could see like death over, like he's ready to kill him. Uh, so we go in and I sit down with coach P and, you know, I don't think uh, he had said two words to me. And I said, I'm coming. So he's like, Hey, you know what? You you, you want to get Chrissy? He goes, let's do this. He goes, I'm going to walk out. And he goes, don't say anything. Just let me handle it. He walks out and he got like the look of death and like, you know, Chris like, Oh, he's not committing. Like he's going all over. And he was like, you know, so he starts to kind of build it all up that, you know, make it sound like I'm not going to come. And then he's like, you know, yeah, he's coming. He's committed. <laughs> so that <laughs> punches me and, you know, the rest is history, you know, I had a great experience there, a uh, tremendous institution, uh, some great people at the time that was there. I had some great teammates. Uh, you know, we went on a heck of a run in my time there. Uh, you know, so it was uh, was really, really neat for me and, and, and just kind of the right fit. Now, aside from football, why was Poly Sci where where you decided to go major wise? <laughs> well, uh, that's even a better story. I'll make it shorter than the last one, though. So when Bataglia recruited me, one of the reasons why I was looking at the Ithacas and the Buff States and the Cortlands was I wanted to be a physical education teacher. I wanted to be a PE teacher. Okay. You know, so that was originally, you know, my, my high school football coach was a, was a PE teacher and just just a typical you grow up and ah, you know, this would be a great you know profession to go into. Uh, so somehow, you know, and he, I think he would deny this. So if he sees this, he may punch me again. Somehow he convinced <laughs> me that I could be a PE major at at the University of Rochester, and it wasn't until my sophomore year when they were like, yeah, you can't do that here. So at that point, it was too late. So I was trying to figure out, you know, do I do philosophy? Do I do business? Uh, and really kind of settled in on political science because at the time, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. You know, so I was like, I'll go to law school. And, that, you know, that's what I kind of thought I was going to do. Now, where... We get to 1994. You've had you have what becomes a a Hall of Fame career for Rochester. You you know as you said, there was a lot of success with those teams. What is the next move out of graduation? <laughs> you just keep hitting the soft spots in this thing because it's uh, it's kind of <laughs> comical. So if you can, I'll go back a year to my junior year. 
so my junior year, uh, Hobart College hires a new head football coach by the name of Bill Maxwell. So he comes from Syracuse. He takes over the program. Uh, meanwhile, I have, you know, basically grew up. I was a gym rat. I'd sneak in to play with the guys from you know, as old as I can remember. I was working summer camps there. And at the time that he was, you know, got hired, I was assistant director of summer programs. You know, so my junior and senior year in college, I kind of helped oversee all of the different camps and organizations that came. Mm -hmm. And he just, you know, he did his research, you know, and, and like he had this vision of how he wanted to build Hobart football. And one of the things he wanted to do was to try to hire someone that could kind of bridge the gap in the community. You know, so what better person to do that than a small town? You know, I was the point guard on the basketball team. Everybody knows the point guard in a small town. I was a quarterback on the football team. Everybody knows the quarterback. You know, I was, uh, you know, the prom king. So everybody knows kind of who the prom king is, you know. Uh -huh. And I think, you know, my best asset was I went to high school with the sheriff's son. So that, it, it that helps. So he approached me, uh, you know, as I was getting ready to go back to, uh, you know, finish my, uh, you know, play my senior season. And he says, look, I'm going to have this opening, you know, uh, would love to, you know, uh, have you join my staff, you know, and if you're interested, I, I, I would hold the spot for you until you, until you graduate, you know, so typical 21 year old and, you know, you're an athlete, you're super excited, you know, so how do you respond to someone offering you a job? Not the way that I did, <laughs> which was thanks, but no thanks. Coaches don't make any money. <laughs> so not only did I turn them down, but I also <laughs> insulted his profession. So you pretty much, you know, can, yeah, that, that thing's going to be over. And, you know, long story short, he, Bill Maxwell was just an amazing individual and was a tremendous mentor for me. But he was two things that I tell people. One, he was very persistent. And two, he was a really good recruiter. You know, so he did not, you know, let that be the end of our conversation. So I go back for what should have been our best year. We had like 18, 19 seniors returning. Uh, and, you know, it was a train wreck. You know, we, you know, we, we, Ended up like six and something, you know, like mm -hmm. you know, uh, just over 500, you know, and we're just kind of blown away with all the talent that we had coming back that we couldn't piece it together after going, you know, eight and one, nine and one, whatever it was the year before. And so <laughs> I uh, we play Hobart and it's like every single weather element that you could possibly have. Right. It yep. rained. It snowed. It sleeted. The sun came out briefly. You know, so we have all of these things going on at the same time, and we lose the game to Hobart, who at that time was still a struggling program, you know, two nothing. So I can remember coming in the next day from for film and, and meetings, and I walk into the football suite and I could hear our head coach, you know, Coach Paranel. <laughs> And he's just using everything you can imagine. Just, you know, I don't even know, like, well, I'm like, what is going on? And I don't know if you want to go in there. And I'm like, what? So I walk in. What's up, Coach P? He's like, who is this Bill Maxwell? And what is the nerve that he's got to be calling me to check on you? And I'm like, what? He's like, I don't even know. He just told me he wanted to see, you know, it was a tough loss. And he just wanted to, you know, pass the word on. And he wanted me to tell you something about the offer still stands. So I'm like, and I don't, I don't have the confidence because I was fearful of Coach P to say to him, oh, he offered me a job. So I was like, I don't know what he's on. I ran out of the office. <laughs> and she stayed with me uh, through the rest of my season. And then I came home for 
winter break and he really, uh, you know, just kind of put a full court press on and, you know, convinced me to come sit down with him. And, you know, in a matter of, you know, kind of 45 minutes, he, you know, he had me on the track, which is now almost three decades, you know, uh, of, you know, being a college coach. And he really just, for lack of a better term, and I tell the story to recruits, I said, you know, he, he gave me the analogy of, you know, the job that you have as a coach will impact mm-hmm. the lives of more young men than any profession you can go into, you know, and that just blew me away. And, and I thought about my coaches and I went back to, you know, my Pop Warner coach, Coach Pasolacqua, you know, my middle school coach, Coach Muffley, right? You know, my, my JV coach, Coach Spader, you know, my varsity high school, like all of these guys mm-hmm. that kind of molded and shaped me, you know, really kind of came to the forefront of it. And I'm like, for the first time, I have an opportunity to maybe do something for others like my coaches did for me. And, and, you know, as I tell everyone, the first day that Bill Maxwell put a whistle in my hand, you know, I couldn't see myself doing anything else, you know, and just been, you know, very, very blessed and fortunate to work for some great head coaches and, you know, been able to kind of, you know, have some longevity in a very difficult profession. Now, before we jump into your longevity across the, (laughs) across the spectrum here, um, I want to ask, has your philo- has your coaching philosophy changed from year one to now year 25? 29, believe it or 20, not. Year 29. <laughs> so, how, how, and what is, what's part of that? If it has changed, what was part of the progression of your philosophy? Uh, I think that, you know, my philosophy, uh, just because I, I worked for, you know, some amazing people, uh, and I had some amazing coaches. I grew up in an era which you could probably relate to to some degree, like just of toughness, right? You know, mm-hmm. like that still are tough, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, that was kind of how I was raised as a coach. So my first couple of years in the profession, that's really kind of what I emulated, you know, was mm-hmm. just kind of that toughness and getting after guys. And, you know, I had, you know, uh, fortunate enough as I was starting to, kind of really climb in the profession, just had some people, you know, pull me aside and just say that, you know, look, you know, you don't have to be, you know, Bobby Knight, right. You don't have yeah. to like, like be, be you, you know, and you'll stand on the principles and the things that you believe in. Uh, and that will be the key to your success. Cause you engage players, you engage people, you know, so there's no need for you to change when you walk between the lines, take that with you, you know? So it took me a few years to, kind of figure that piece out but mm-hmm. I genuinely have always been passionate about helping people right I've been passionate about serving and I think a lot of it had to do with just what my coaches did for me the sacrifices they made when you know my mom I was raised by a single parent so my mom couldn't always pick me up and take me to practice and here's my basketball coach picking me up in, in a snowstorm <laughs> taking me to practice and bringing me home so those were all things that I think were kind of just built in like you know be a giver right be a mm-hmm. giver and, and I think that that stuff really kind of, you know, helped to shape and become to more of the forefront as I got older and a little bit more established. You know, um, you know, I think of some of our earlier players would say that they liked me, you know, uh, after they got to know me. But those first couple of years were rough. Uh, okay. so, so that really for me, I think the best way to describe it is I don't think my philosophy changed. I think my delivery changed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how, you know, I would you know speak to players and how I would kind of command the room when I was coaching or when I was trying to develop coaches. Uh, whereas in the early careers, it was kind of like the way people treated me and it seemed to work pretty good. I listened and, you know, uh, you know, didn't speak unless spoken to. And, 
you know, and in times of just kind of change, you know, uh, mm-hmm. from from even my early days and certainly from the time that I was a player. Uh, so I think, you know, that has kind of also added into, you know, kind of adjusting the delivery, but not necessarily, you know, getting away from the true principles of what I believe in. Now, let's jump in a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to throw some of these some of these schools at you. Let's let's quit. Uh, so. How long were you at Hobart? Because as I was doing my research, I got 98 to 2000, yeah. which is the next stop. Yeah. So are you there at Hobart for those three years before? Yes. Okay. So I started, I started at Hobart in 1994, right out of college. So I was actually there for, believe it or not, four seasons. And mm-hmm. then I left at the end of, um, the uh the 98 or i guess it'd be 97 so i was there 94 you know uh, 95 96 and 97 and then 98 i left that summer to go to columbia now what was the what was the biggest transition from hobart to columbia <laughs> being in the city <laughs> you know, get, <laughs> getting parking tickets so it's so, so many parking tickets i had to get rid of my car uh, you know, learning how to not fall asleep on the train, you know, at, you know, cause you, you know, when you are low man on the totem pole and you're trying to work your way up, you know, the, you know, the, the head coach, all he cares is are the cutups ready. You know, he mm-hmm. doesn't care about anything being broke, you know, so there were, were times where, you know, I slept past my stop and then had to get back on the train. Uh, so just adjusting to being really, for lack of a better term, a small town boy in a, in a, in a truly in a big city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was challenging. The football side of it and the hard work, I, you know, I tell everyone, you know, no matter the level, you know, uh, 24 hours is all we all get, you know, and that's never enough in our profession. And I'm sure others would probably feel the same way in their profession. But uh, that was kind of the biggest transition for me. It just was like, you know, you walked around and you just had big eyes because you were in, you know, in, in you know, one of the greatest cities in the world. So I would be remiss if I didn't say this. You got me thinking of my old football coaches. And then you just brought up that we only we all only get 24. So before every game, before every practice, he would start everything with the only thing that we all have in common is time and how we use it. And that to me is that we only get 24. So no matter the level, you're 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 all getting the same amount of time. Um, so then you're the, you're in Columbia for three years. So two, actually two, two. seasons. 98, yes. 90. Yeah, 99. And then I okay. left and went to uh, Lehigh. Now, why the tra- Why the move to Lehigh? Uh, well, it really was, um, it was tough for me because I, I, I kind of, once I figured the city thing out, um, you know, I, I really, me and my wife kind of fell in love with it. My wife, actually, she's Dominican uh, and, you know, she was born in the Dominican Republic, but she grew up in New York City, Manhattan and the Bronx. Uh, so that was part of the reason why I took the job there because her family was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, you know, we had our first, you know, uh, child, our daughter. And so I was kind of back and forth cause I really, you know, I love working for Ray Tellier. I uh, learned so much it was a really good staff. Um, uh, you know, but it was a case where, you know, I'm a small town boy and I just didn't know about raising a daughter in New York city. Right. You know, even though my daughter claims to this day that she's a Bronx girl. I was like, you were there for like a cup of coffee. So I don't know. <laughs> actually a Bronx girl, but uh, it's a case where that played into it. And then 
uh, I got a, you know, an opportunity to kind of go to the other side of the ball, you know, coach on defense, you know, that mm-hmm. was the other, you know, I, I, I enjoyed my time as a player. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I think I, even in college, I hung out with mostly defensive guys. So my mindset was never really uh, in that space. Um, you know, so I really wanted to, I had briefly moved, uh, at Hobart to defense. Uh, and then when the, uh, Columbia job came along. It was an offensive position. It was a chance to coach in the Ivy League's chance, chance to go up to Division One level. Uh, great institution, all of that stuff, and work for a great head coach. Uh, so all of those things kind of tied into it. But it was still one of those things that just you know the coaching profession is crazy. Uh, the head coach wanted me to stay. You know, I I would have definitely listened, but mm-hmm. I kind of told him I said, look. If I go and they offer me the job, I'm, I'm pretty much out. And he had kind of went to the AD at the time and says, look, you know, if we if we offer him more money, I think we can get him to not even go on the uh, interview. And in typical fashion, you know, what do you think the AD says? Well, if he doesn't have an offer, why would we give an offer? Mm. You know, so, uh, you know, I go and, you know, the interview went really well and mm-hmm. hit it off with the head coach and the defensive coordinator. And they, uh, they they end up offering me the job like the next day. And I remember you know, going in to, to tell Coach Taylor, and he's like on the phone to the AD, and AD's like, AD wants to see you. And I remember going and sitting down, and I'm a young coach. And it was kind of like, you know, you know, hey, you know, we, you know, let's slide this across the offer across and, you know, let's, you know, what do you think of that? You know, and I'm like, that's a pretty good offer. I wish it would have came before I got an offer. You know, so it was a case where, you know, that, you know, kind of sealed it for me. It was time to. To, to kind of move and it was an opportunity to kind of get out of the city and, and, and be able to, you know, start raising our daughter uh, in a, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you know, more of a suburban environment. Well, you know, us, us defensive guys, we're, we're more fun to hang out with anyways. We're a different breed on the other side of the ball. It's there. There's some guys want to score points and there's some guys that want to stop points. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how did you meet your wife? So I met my wife at uh, Hobart College when I was an intern, you know, so we uh, had kind of, uh, you know, met uh, her first summer on campus, you know, Mm -hmm. and we we dated for about a year and a half. um, And, you know, then she went abroad, you know, to, uh, you know, study abroad. And as they say, absence grows the heart fonder, uh, you know, so it was kind of, one of those things that she didn't say it in so many words, but one of the reasons why she took the trip was, you know, uh, you, you know, you need to think about putting a ring on it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, at that point I was kind of focusing on my career. And then I realized when she wasn't around, like, man, I miss her a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, and she had all of the traits that I believed would make up an amazing, you know, football wife. Uh, you know, at the, at the time we had kind of a conversation. I said, look, my you know, profession is, you know, going to move us around. It's, going to be you know long hours you know and there are going to be times where you're going to be a single mom and you know she's the you know the Dominican girl that understands how to be uh independent and uh you know I I didn't think there was going to be a, a, a better opportunity to have someone that you know would allow me to chase my dreams and passion of being a, a college football coach so we we tied a knot you know and and uh you know we've been married now 26 going to be 27 years it's crazy to say that you know so almost as long as i've been coaching you know me and her have been together so well and you've you've done some traveling as I, i'm look i'm looking over here on the so we, we were we went to new york then we went to pennsylvania uh 
And then for Pennsylvania at Lehigh, for those of you who don't know, Pennsylvania Lehigh is in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I should probably <laughs> clarify that instead of. Um, then you move you move on after the 03 season to Holy Cross, and that's mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming because there was mo- it was the, a next step up. You're going yeah. to the DC and the assistant head coaching position. Um, what was that experience like for your first time being in the in the seat? It was it was tough because I, I really, you know, I really loved Lehigh. I mean, I I I loved the kids, you know, um, you know, we had built something special. We, you know, it's it's crazy to say, you know, we went like eight and three and they're ready to run us out of town. But I just, you know, I just there's something about being a part of, you know, success that you just, you know, I just loved it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, you know, the 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 head coach at Holy Cross at the time was actually the defensive coordinator uh at Lehigh. And he's the one that hired me. And, mm-hmm. you know, the backdrop on that is I'm coaching running backs at, you know, Columbia. And, you know, Tom Gilmore hires me as, as his defensive back coach, you know, which is kind of rare, you know. And, and so I felt a little bit of, you know, kind of a, a loyalty piece, you know, if, if you would say, gave me an opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had built a really good defense uh, you know, uh, coming off the heels of some success they were already having, but we kind of had to revamp it a little bit with some different personnel. Uh, so it was really, really hard. And the head coach at Lehigh at the time, you know, it, it, it certainly strained our relationship. I think we are over the years kind of got back to speaking terms, but I know he was really hurt because he wanted me to stay, uh, you know, but it was a case where, you know, again, it was kind of a decision not so much based on money, um, you know, and, and, and jumping to the, cause I got elevated to defensive coordinator at Lehigh to stay, but you know, Gilmore was smart. Like he knows how I was built. Like I wanted to, to be able to have a hand in building the staff. And, you know, unfortunately at, at Lehigh, you know, Pete kind of had a, a vision of, you know, what he wanted, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I could sit in at the table, but, you know, to use a, a Bill Parcells, you know, uh, line, you know, if they're not going to let you, uh, you know, you know, uh, shop for any groceries, right. It's going to be awfully hard to be a real good cook. And, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and, and it wasn't that I thought he would hire bad, you know, coaches or anything like that. It was more of just, you got an opportunity to go somewhere. It was a little bit more money. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they gave some incentives that, you know, really kind of pushed it over the top. And, you know, it was a case where, uh, you got carte blanche to hire whoever you want to hire. And, you know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, we, we knocked it out the, out the box in terms of the guys that we were able to get on that staff, you know, defensively, Ricky Ronnie, who's the head coach down at ODU was our assistant D line coach. Sean Spence was our D line coach and he's been with the giants and, you know, kind of bounced around. And so we, you know, so I was super excited just that that first opportunity to be able to, to, to do something like that and to go to a place that had been struggling, you know, uh, to try to see if we can build it. Cause we had walked into, you know, Lehigh, they were having success. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so there were a lot of things that kind of factored into wanting to, to, to kind of make the move and make the change. And then after a year, you, you go back on to the, you're back with the secondary guys, you're, but you're, there's another wrinkle. You become the recruiting coordinator at the university of Delaware, which I believe bounces you back up into yes. the F, cs right yes that's the other i always that one always gets me a little <laughs> not division one a, it was way easier when it was one a and, and division one well, now <laughs> sub and all that so what was the dif- biggest difference between holy cross and and the university of delaware and why the decision to go there 
opportunity to coach scholarship ball uh, you know was the biggest obviously they were coming on the hills of you know the year two years before just won a national championship and you know Delaware is a blue chip in that state right you know there's no professional teams and um, you know coached against them in the playoffs got tuned up pretty good <laughs> so you know uh, and, and it's and it's and it's a funny you know side story so we played them in the playoffs at uh, Lehigh and uh, you know they, they're giving us the business and <laughs> I remember like halftime walking to the locker room and their fans are, are awesome you know they mm -hmm. so they, you know they they learn your names of not only the coaches but also the players so, you know, you know, I respond just because this is the way my mama raised me. Like, you know, someone says, Isaac, I'm going to turn and say, yeah. So they, so I'm walking out and there's a fan that says, hey, Isaac. So I, I turned it. I think it's, it's someone that knows me because they said it like it's like like a, a term of endearment. Yeah. And I look and as soon as I look, they were like, hey, I hear Tubby's going to be retiring soon. Right. And with the way that you guys are taking a whooping, you might want to think about, you know, uh, joining the Blue Hens. <laughs> so I, anyways, you just, I just run off. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. And sure enough, you know, a few years later, I'm, I'm, I'm lining up, uh, you know, as, as a coach. Uh, and the, the good news is they gave it to me as a coach as well. So it didn't, <laughs> it didn't, it didn't matter if I was on the other side. You know, if we didn't run the right coverage, you know, those fans were on you. So it was really, really just a great opportunity to, to, to be a part of, a, you know, a, a program that had such a rich tradition, got such passionate fans and recruiting scholarship wise, you know, which was kind of the next step in it because the Ivies and the Patriots, uh, you know, and the, the Patriots have transitioned to scholarships, but back then they yeah, were no, was... really no different than division three. It was kind of a, you know, need base, you know, uh, you know, uh, financial aid. Uh, and I felt like if I was going to grow as a coach, that may be the knock, you know, that people would say, you know, when they interview me, well, you've never coached at a scholarship school, so you don't know what it's like to recruit scholarship guys and learned a ton of things from Casey Keeler was an unbelievable experience, uh, you know, in my brief time with them, but definitely loved, loved Delaware. In fact, I still own a home there. That's how much I, I love Delaware. Wow. So before we go into the, the next couple of schools and then we're going to get into where you are currently, um, You've you've coached and played at a you played at a Division three level. You coached at the Division one level all the way through. What is the importance of Division three? Why why is Division three special, or what separates Division three minus the scholarships from Division two and Division one? I think it's the opportunity, you know, and I think unfortunately. You know, the social media game, uh, the, you know, rivals, rankings, all of that stuff. It's really just kind of, for lack of a better term, killed our sport, you know, mm -hmm. because there's an expectation, you know, that are placed on young people that I don't think should be placed on them, right? The number of guys that no matter the level I've been at, there's always someone that seems to be higher than you, right? You yeah. know, uh, you know the, the Nick Saban quote, right? There is no University of Mars, so Alabama is as good as it gets, right? So there's always seems to be someone that's above you. So for guys to to kind of make decisions and you connect with them and, and they believe in your philosophies, but, you know, when they go to school, they got to answer the bell on that, you know? And mm -hmm. I remember recruiting a quarterback at Columbia that had Columbia and Harvard, you know? And I remember our conversations, he would be like, coach, my dentist says I need to go to Harvard, you know? You know, my, you know, I go to the bodega. They tell me I need to go to Harvard. They're my crazy. He goes, but I really, he really loved New York City. 
you know, he, and he, he loved everything that we were, we were doing. So I think that that's the, the tough part is, is that a lot of guys miss out on an opportunity to have a great experience. Um, you know, I would love to tell you that, you know, people are correct that the coaching at division three is not very good, but it's absolutely false. You know, uh, there's tremendous coaching that's going on. There's tremendous development. And I think, you know, what makes the level really unique is, is that these coaches, you know, at our level at Division Three, we will go anywhere to talk mm -hmm. ball and to learn football, right? And we have the ability to be able to, in a slightly different setting, kind of really make a lot of things work, you know, that, you know, some other places you might not be able to do it. So, so I think that it's place is really opportunity, you know, and, and I know that with all the rumblings of, you know, what's happening with the power five and the potential breaking off and where the resources are going to go. Uh, I'm hoping, you know, that they understand the good that division three does because I, I, not only as a player, but having been a division three head coach at two different institutions and the young men that have played for me, the young men that have gotten opportunities to even get into, uh, you know, training camps with, with, uh, with teams, you know, mm -hmm. those things don't happen because, you know, Alabama's only got so many roster spots. Right. right. Clemson's only got so many roster spots, you know, and and if you walk on there, the, that's great. You know, and it's great to see those videos. But there's a reason why there's only one guy getting, getting the, you know, the, the celebration. Right. So you go there and you could lose four years and never get a chance to play or worse. You could go there and next year their walk on crop is just a little bit better. And now you're cut from the roster. So. Yeah. I just think that, you know, the the opportunities that Division Three, you know, at the purest form, right? And I, I tell players when I recruit them, I was like, look, I paid to go to school. I paid mm -hmm. to play college football, right? How much do you think this means to me? <laughs> As opposed to if you would have paid for me and you would have given, and you gave me everything, right? And I, and I just think of it from my kids' perspective. You know, they have a lot of things that I didn't have when I was growing up. You know? And I, you know, I often tell them that, you know what? we didn't have that stuff. Right. You know, yeah. we, so, so, so you need to understand and appreciate it uh, so that, you know, you can, you know, be a blessing for someone else. And I really think that that's what division three is all about. Right. It's about those opportunities, um, you know, that, you know, young people deserve, you know, there's, there's so many high schools that play high school football, you know, and for you know people to slide it or tell or try to steer guys away from it. Uh, it really, really breaks my heart because I know what it meant to me. And, you know, I'll, I'll call a spade a spade. I mean, I've coached at a lot of different places and there are places that I sit and say every single day, you know, that, you know, and shoot, I played with some guys that would run circles around you guys, you mm -hmm. know, like, you know, it's at, at the division three level, you know, so, so it's not, you know, it's not as, you know, uh, watered down as people think, um, you know, there's some really, really good football and, you know, I, I have enjoyed it, and that's one of the reasons why I'm back at it. You know, it's just it's just the purest form of, of football. There's no hidden agendas. Kids are playing because they love the game, not because they're trying to earn a scholarship. Or I got a scholarship, so I guess I'll do this so I don't lose my scholarship, which can kind of change, you know, from that standpoint. Well, and that's interesting you said that because we've had some, we've had some OAC coaches, we've had some PAC coaches so far on the show, and that kind – that the almost hostage mentality – like division three, there are no hostages. You are making the decision to play that you're, you're going out every day. You're going to class and then you're deciding, I want to play football. I want to keep playing football. Whereas the division one guy, 
might be mentally getting to that point where it's, do I really want to play? But there's a scholarship being held up there saying, Hey, remember this, here's your, here's your tuition money. So like, <laughs> think about it before. Um, la- Sub question off of that, I guess. Um, I, we've also, as we talked to these coaches, we've talked about, you know, the transfer portal NIL and whatnot. And I, I find it interesting. The coaches that I've talked to have said, in the division three level, the transfer portal is more D two guys realizing there's opportunity. And as you said, the opportunities there come down and, and, or, and I hate saying come down a level, yeah. but yeah. It, it's, it, I guess, uh, is that more what the transfer portal is at the division three level? Whereas in the other school you we're seeing in division one, I, I mean, quarterback for USC last week might be UCLA's quarterback next <laughs> tomorrow. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that in large part, that's that's a big part of it uh, for a lot of guys, especially for the programs now that are that are having some success. You can you can build a roster year to year, you know, mm-hmm. off of uh, you know I, don't, I hate to use the term bounce back or guys that drop down as well, but you know guys that realize that you know opportunity you know is more important to them than you know just being on the team, uh, and they could serve a purpose and really kind of help you know fit a need. Uh, we are seeing a little bit, and I think we're kind of in the early stages because I've been here just a little over a year. Um, you know, we're getting bounce back guys that we recruited, you know, that went somewhere else because they thought it was going to be better. Uh, and then they remember their experience with us in the recruiting process. So they're kind of calling back and saying, hey, you know, we, you know I, I think I made a mistake, those types of things. So we're seeing a little bit of that. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely trying to to get those guys. And the thing I will share, and, and I think my perspective, you know, on it is because I did coach at different levels. There's some guys that are being taken at division two that, you know, when I was at division two, we would not have taken, right. They would have been, there would have been guys that would have been like, Hey, the good walk on guy, or that guy would be a really good division three guy. That's where he should go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I have a little bit of a different perspective than maybe some coaches. And, and I see why you're getting more guys that are bouncing back because it's a domino effect, right? So the division two guys, you know, have their eyes set on that one double a guy, you know, that FCS guy. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gets, you know, sucked up because the FCS guys had their eyes on the FBS guy. Right. You know, and the FBS is just poaching each other. So it's, you know, so it's a case where that's the, that's the game that you play is really trying to, you know, figure out, you know, uh, you know, from, you know, year to year, what your roster is going to look like, because a guy that has success at any level is going to have opportunity, you know? So if you get, you know, a receiver that lights it up or, you know, there's going to be someone that's saying, do I take a high school quarterback from New Jersey or do I take the starting quarterback at Albright that just threw for 5,000 yards, right? You can do the math on that. If I'm a coach at that level, I'm saying experience trumps that. So, Mm -hmm. so, so I think, you know, we got to kind of navigate our way through that a little bit. You know, uh, I know that we've found some kids here uh, in, in, in the latter part of recruiting that are guys that I do think that, you know, if the transfer portal wasn't in place, they would have had some other opportunities. You know, so we're excited about that. And I think that's where Division Three can 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 benefit. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a slippery slope because if you take a guy that's you know, should have been at an FCS school and he lights it up, well, the transfer portal next year, you're looking is, to kind of replace them, you know. So, uh, so that's something that 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 I definitely you know can 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 say from our perspective um, is 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 twofold. Yes, we're getting some guys that are kind of sliding back, 
that realize that, you know, hey, I'm just not getting the opportunity I need, but we're also seeing some of those kids. And I think it's good for, you know, a lot of people hate it, but I think it's good for the sport, for the athletes to have options. You know, uh, we try to do a really good job in recruiting, investing guys and making their experience such that, you know, they don't want to leave us. Uh, and I think that that's what everybody should be doing. And I think the portal forces you to be honest, you know, with yourself and what you believe in. And, you know, we're pretty fortunate right now that, you know, we're not having a lot of guys jump in the portal. Um, in fact, um, you know, we had more guys this spring and spring ball than we did last year. You know, so so we feel like we're making really good progress. And I think it comes down to just the way you treat people, you know, and having a plan and a vision for their success, uh, which I think we do a really good job at the Division Three level. Now, jumping back in to your to your coaching career, we're uh, we're coming up on my high school years here. So I'm going to we uh <laughs> Oh six to oh nine, you were the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at the Citadel. Now, what was that experience like? Because that's that's a military academy, right? Yes. So yes. what's the what's the transition from Delaware to the military academy? <laughs> it, it it was a, a huge transition, uh, just because it's a it's a different world. Mm -hmm. uh, and you talk about like, and I think those years certainly formulated. Um, a lot of, you know, kind of my organization and, and core, you know, and tying a really a bow on kind of my core values uh, because they, you know, uh, as, as I, Colonel Crawford, which was, a, you know, became a pretty good friend of mine there. Uh, he would always, uh, you know, say that, you know, you, you know, you, you hang out with those yellow bellies too young and you know, too long and they'll get you killed. You know, what he simply mean is, is lack of detail, you know, in the world that we live in, you don't come home. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I always, kind of clung to that and saying, you know, I know in the game of football, it's not life and death, but, you know, uh, it, it made sense to me, right. You know, that you need to be someone that stands for something, you know, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the slogans I took from the Citadel that we, I still use with our players here is we don't lie, cheat, or still tolerate those that do. Uh, and it's a case where, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the, the lie, cheat and still people get right. It's yeah. to tolerate those that do right. You know, we need to stand for something. And whether it's my buddy, whether it's a teammate, you know, whether it's a classmate, whether it's a stranger, if they're not doing the right thing, you know, we have an obligation as citizens of this country, you know, to correct them and help them get to a space where, uh, you know, they're doing the right things. And so so that, you know, was really, really I worked for uh, an amazing head football coach, you know, Kevin Higgins. I worked for him. I started at Lehigh uh, and then he had left to go to the Giants. I got to work for him again to be his defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, was was just one heck of a ride. But the kids, man, and our president was a three star general, General Rosa, man, loved loved him. You know, uh, so got to got to really kind of rub elbows, you know, real, real quick story on General Rosa. Uh, so I'm typical coach, you know, just, you know, you're you're burning the midnight oil. Mm -hmm. And I remember all of a sudden, you know, uh, this, you know, six foot three, you know, body comes walking through my door. You know, and uh, like I kind of like I'm kind of startled because it's like, I don't know, 12 o'clock, one in the morning. And yeah. I'm trying to figure out now I realize it's a three star general. So I don't know. Do I stand up? Do I salute? Like what? <laughs> you know, you know, and before I could say anything, he just see the panic in my eyes. He's like at ease. And like I, I sit down and I'm trying to figure out, OK, why is a three star general walking around campus at one, two in the morning? And he said to me, he says, you know, this is before he was, you know, he was going to be named the president. But he's kind of like on a sabbatical from uh, Air Force uh, mm -hmm. while he was going to transition in. And one of the things he said he was doing was he wanted to walk around campus and see what lights were on. And he wanted to go talk to those people because those were going to be the boots on the ground. 
right? You know, so those are going to be the people that he knew really cared about the institution and would have some insight. Uh, and I always remember that, you know, like this, like, you know, just blew me away that here's a three-star general, you know, that, you know, just is taking over as, you know, the president of the college. And he, you know, strategically, you know, parachuted in and he's trying to get amongst the people to really kind of figure out, you know, what, you know, what type of soldiers does he have you know, and, mm -hmm. and get their perspective and to, to make decisions on, okay, there's some people that have been here a long time. It may be time to move them on because we need to change some of the things that we were doing. Uh, so, so that was just a, an, an awesome experience. And, and those kids, man, you talk about coaching tough kids. Like if you ever get a chance to coach at a service academy or a military college, man, it doesn't get any better than that because those kids are mentally and physically tough. Mm -hmm. Well, and I can't imagine, I have to imagine that the, uh, the attention to detail when you're at a military academy is like, they might, they're, 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 there are, I'm not saying there are dedicated people out there, but when you're going to the military, I feel like you've, you've decided that your bed's going to be completely made every morning. Everything's going to be ironed and the, and uh, so, so then you spend the three years at the Citadel and then we move in to the head coaching role. Mm -hmm. um, now, I want to make sure I have this right. Is, is it Widener first, then Seton Hill, or is it Seton Hill first, then Widener? Widener first. Okay. Widener, so, Widener was not, yeah, Widener's my first head job. And Widener is in the conference that you are so you this is a when we get to your 2022 <laughs> year we we come you come back to the conference so what was the experience like the first time around in the conference with widener it was amazing uh just because i was a first time head coach um and really to be honest with you i i had at that time i had no aspirations of of being a head coach you know uh, i really wow. was you know, planning on I love being a defensive coordinator. I, I love just having my side of the ball, coach my kids. I love recruiting. Uh, you know, I worked for a great head coach that, you know, spent most of his time on the offensive side of the ball. So it didn't get any better than that for a defensive guy, right? You know, he's not meddling in what you're doing. Uh, you know, really kind of grew there spiritually. Kevin's a, you know, Christian coach and uh, really kind of taught me how to bring, you know, my Christian beliefs uh, to the game of football, you know, which mm -hmm. up until that point, I kind of kept separate. Um, you know, I went to church with my family, you know, but when I walk between the, uh, the lines, uh, as my players would jokingly say, you're like the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so I had to, I had to kind of balance those things out and, and Kevin really kind of helped me shape that, uh, you know, part of, you know, my, 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 my personal and professional life, uh, which got me to a space where, you know, I thought about up until that point, my career and, and how I've helped head coaches build programs and, been able to recruit some really good players for them and kind of maintain order, you know, and, and bring some discipline. Uh, and it was kind of, you know, I got a, you know, just a random phone call. Hey, Widener's open. I really had very little knowledge of Widener other than it was just outside of Philadelphia. And I knew that in the late seventies, they'd won a couple net national championships, but um, you know, not, not much, you know, and I just kind of jumped on an internet, you know, and kind of, you know, Googled them and, it's like, you know what? It's in a pretty good location. You know, I recruited Jersey. It's not too far from Lehigh. You know, so I had in my mind, I'm like, hey, this 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 could, you know, could be good. So mm -hmm. I sent my stuff in, not thinking anything of it. And, you know, shoot, probably 45 minutes after I sent it in, I, I get a, you know, a phone call from the search firm. 
that was conducting the search, which was really neat. Um, and went through that process and, you know, really just, you know, uh, when I got offered the job, I remember coming back home because, you know, this is something I would not recommend you do uh, is don't go to your wife or significant other and say, hey, we're going to leave the beach and we're going to go to Philly. Because <laughs> that typically is not that doesn't sound right even saying it right now. You Listen, know, uh, my girlfriend edits straight. this. Sh- my girlfriend edits this show, and I think if I made a suggestion of leaving the beach to go north, uh, I don't think that she would. I think she would tell me I could leave. I could. You take you wherever you want to go. Go ahead. So, <laughs> God bless your wife. Yeah. No, well, I remember in the beginning of the story. Now I told you that I married the right one, and you know she 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 packed the family up and came up north and was a great first lady uh, for us at our time at, uh, at Widener. And it was, uh, you know, an amazing time. We, you know, built, uh, you know, a program relatively quickly. You know, uh, we were able to recruit some of the right kids and we convinced some of the kids in the program to kind of buy into what we do. Uh, and it was really, really neat to kind of watch it take off. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know is, is that, you know, that elite eight team that we lost to Mount Union in the playoffs, we had a lot of sophomores that were playing on that team, you know, uh, so we had a young, it was a young team. So we weren't senior related by any means. Uh, you know, we had recruited really well for two years and, you know, really was kind of at the pinnacle of, yeah. you know, kind of starting to turn the corner, you know, and obviously it, it showed that, you know, the two guys that filled in after me were able to still have success. And I always tell people, I judge when you build something, does it fall apart right when the next person gets there or does it take time? You know, if it takes time, usually you've built it the right way. Now, so you you move on from Widener, you work your way back. You're on one side of Pennsylvania. You decide to come to the you wanted you wanted to get the the full experience. You come over to the Latrobe side of Pennsylvania. For those of you that don't know, that's where the Steelers. It's not St. Vincent. It's the other college in Latrobe um, or Greensburg. I think it's actually in Greensburg. I don't think it's yes. Latrobe, but it's it's basically that Westmoreland County out there. It's all the yes. same to me. Um, what was the difference? And I know there's a big win over another Pennsylvania kind of staple for the PSAC in Slippery Rock. There was a very big win during your time at Seton Hill over Slippery Rock. What was, what factored into the decision to taking the Seton Hill job? Well, there were two things that, you know, were kind of critical pieces. Uh, One was, you know, Dr. Boyle, the president that hired me, you know, really was kind of the deciding factor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just, I believed in her vision. You know, I, I sat down, you know, on my interview with her and, you know, just, you know, her passion, you know, for the school, her passion for, you know, her reasonings of wanting to move into the Peace Act, you know, because they were in the WIVIAC, you know, yeah. uh, you know, so, um, you know, and, and she was, you know, very adamant about, you know, and, and I, I remember her exact quote to me is she's like, I want IUP to cringe when they come and play at our stadium. You know, like, like, you know, any president telling you that gets you, gets you excited and fired oh, yeah. up, and, you know, so, so I went back, I was still, you know, I, I you know, I, I remember driving back and my wife's blowing my phone up, you know, and she was like, you know, because when I left. I told her that there's no way I'm taking the job because, you know, I'm just going to use this to get our president, who is a good friend at Widener, to kind of, you know, ante up a few things that we needed to get done. We needed a weight room innovation and some stuff we wanted to do at the stadium, you know, uh, financial aid. Like I had all these, you know, things on my short list that I wanted to kind of get worked out. And uh, so 
<laughs> I didn't pick up for the first hour of the drive back. Uh, she knew that something was up. And when I finally picked up, she, all she said to me is, you're, you're going to take the job if they offered it. And I go, well, not, not, not for sure. But, you know, and I just like, babe, these people are amazing. The president. And I just went, you know, on and on. And, you know, by the time I got home, she was just like, you know, I know if, if they offer it, you know, you're, you know, you're going to take it. And I'm like, well, I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to talk to our president. Um, and it was kind of interesting. So my nephew played uh, you know, wide receiver for Mount Union. So after that interview, I had promised him that I would come down to watch them play in the national championship game. So I'm actually driving, you know, that weekend, um, I'm driving to uh, Salem mm -hmm. and I get the phone call uh, from, you know, Chris Snyder, uh, you know, the AD at uh, Seton Hill. And, he, and I'm in the car, my kids are in there and I'm trying to get them to quiet down. And, you know, uh, and he offers me the job. And I remember like, you know, just like, you know, this feeling of excitement, you know, but I was like, you know, I was like, I hate to do this to you, but I'm in the car with my family. Can I call you when I get to the, to the hotel? Um, and, you know, gave me a time. I kind of told my wife and it kind of decompressed. We get to the hotel and, you know, I just kind of called him up and said, Hey, here's some things that, you know, I think we would need to do for me to leave Widener, you know, mm -hmm. and he went back to the president and, you know, most of the things they said yes to or a couple of things they said no to. But the things they said no to, I threw on there just so they could say no and feel like they're not losing the battle. Uh, and, and you know, they you know wrote up a contract and it was a six year contract. So I wanted to make sure that my kids could go to the same high school. Uh, so that was important. But to me, it said all the things I needed to know going into it initially that they're serious about winning because you don't, you know, PSAC coaches aren't getting six-year contracts. I know you got to be in the state for a little while, so some of the state schools are different, but private schools, certainly not. So that was a commitment that they made. And we had 35.4.5 scholarships. You yeah. know, uh, so basically 36 is the full. You know, so it was all of the things that you could, you know, imagine. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember talking to the Widener president, and he told me that, you know, he thought it was a bad move. He thought there were going to be better jobs down the road for me. And he's a good friend, so he could talk to me this way. He's a former college coach. He was just like, a just you know, the 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 intel and the research I've done is just that, you know, this is not a place that's going to be sustainable for Division II football, you know. And I said, but they got 35 scholarships, and I've got, I got a six-year contract, you know. And then I said, look, if you can do these couple of things, then I will definitely, you know, you know consider staying, you know. And he could do a few of them and a few that he couldn't. And I just felt like PSAC, you got almost 36 scholarships. Uh, you know, it's in Western PA, great football. Uh, so felt like I needed to take the, the the leap of faith, you know, and 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 really, you know, we we battled our way to, you know, that big win you're talking about. And, you know, Coach Mahalik gives me grief every time I see him. He tells me I'm the reason why he retired because he lost to us. <laughs> yeah. So I said, you better not be telling your alums that, <laughs> you know, but it was a case where we were building it. And unfortunately, you know, Dr. Boyle passed away. We got a new president and, you know, really in a matter of two years, you know, the admissions director that hired me was gone. Financial aid director was gone. VP of enrollment. So you wake up one morning, you find yourself in a room feeling like you're in a room with a bunch of strangers, right? And the vision's not the same. You know? So, you know, so it was saddened because I do believe, you know, that, you know, they had the makings of being able to build something really, really special. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, uh, my vision and views and 
what me and Dr. Boyle talked about wasn't the same in terms of administration. So, um, you know, Chris Schneider, for lack of a better term, I tell everyone, did me a favor. He knew I'm a pit bull, you know, and I would have died on the job before I would have quit. And he, you know, came in and, you know, dismissed me in 2018 and, you know, really kind of, you know, in tears, you know, so, you know, so it meant something to me that, you know, I meant something to the institution. I meant something to him, but he knew that, you know, we needed, they needed to do something different. You know, we just had, you know, gone so far off the rails and with, you know, cut scholarships and, you know, the, the players just, you know, not being happy and not being able to have success, you know, so, so I learned a ton, you know, in my time there and it was a great experience, you know, but, um, you know, my, I wear my heart's on my sleeves, right. You know, I, I, I made a lot of sacrifices to kind of help build that program. And we did some good things in our time there. Um, that means that I couldn't go to, you know, my son's senior day. I couldn't, you know, be at my daughter's volleyball game. So all of those things hit me. So right after I got let go, man, I, you know, I took probably about two months where I thought I was going to get out of coaching, you know, wow. um, and it was uh, a funny story, you know, that, Dominican wife that I told you I married, you know, so she was kind of working at the time. So I became like Mr. Mom, you know, so I put the kids on the bus, you know, clean and cooking. So all of a sudden, you know, about a week into this thing, you know, my wife comes home one day and she's just like, look, I love that you're cooking. I love that you're cleaning. I love that you're putting the kids on the bus. It's great that you're experiencing things that you normally don't experience. Cause usually right after the season, you're on the road recruiting. And she says, you got to go get a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, you know, so then I, I interviewed for a couple of jobs and, you know, just was, you know, scared off by some because I was like, it just had too much of a feel of what Seton Hill was currently, you know, mm-hmm. so I was very picky and selective in terms of, you know, what I wanted that next move to be. Uh, so I remember going to the convention and one of my good friends, uh, you know, reached out and he offered me a job at the place where he was at. And he's like, look, I'll hang on to this thing until February, give you some time to kind of sort things out. You know, so I was very appreciative. I said, yeah, I appreciate that. I said, you know, I got a couple things in the, you know, in the fire that I want to kind of work through. Uh, and then I'll, I'll get back to you, you know, well, you know, lo and behold, we get to February and he actually gets another job, you know, and he calls me up and he's like, I'm like, look, I'm up for two head jobs, I, you know, interviewed for one, I got an interview for another one on, on Thursday, you know, let me get back to you. Cause I think I want to get back on the horse to be a head coach. Um, neither one of those ended up working out, you know, so I called him back and, you know, he really kind of convinced me, he said, look, come here, help me build the program. You know, I'll make you special teams coordinator. You'll get your room, be a coaching DBs. It'd be like old times, like it was at Lehigh and, you know, recharge your batteries and figure out what it is you want to do. And, you know, man, it was a blessing because I coached some amazing kids that really kind of brought the joy back, you know, brought Mm -hmm. the passion back, you know, and I'm super excited. And then COVID hits. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I I was looking at the, I was looking at the years here and I was like, oh man, 19 was a good one. It's recharging and oh, here comes 20. It's going to, it's going to be a right hook. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) So, so well, that, yeah, that was, that was tough. That was and tough. the interesting thing, this show is born because I'm sitting in Bethany, West Virginia around all of the coaches and I'm sitting near my brains thinking like, wow, this is the time where your baseball coaches are out recruiting Legion ball. Your basketball coaches are at the AAU tournaments. Your football coaches are 
most of the players are secure, but you're still as much as you can on the move. And I was talking to Justin Thomas, the baseball coach, and I remember saying to him, hey, what are you going to do for recruiting? And he goes, oh, man, I, I, we haven't really even thought about it. It's like a week. We were in, you know, that two week. We're going <laughs> to we're going we're gonna to do the curve. We're going to do the curve. And I said, well, hey, I, I'm really looking to get back into doing a show. Why don't I have you on? We'll tell your story. The same thing you would tell. I'm going to ask you the questions I think a parent would want to know. Where'd you go to school? How'd, why'd you get into coaching? And then we're going to talk about the programs. And then, you know, here's the funny thing about a small school. Eventually, you're going to run out of coaches. So quickly, I realized that, well, I like this. I like talking to the coaches. Then we got into alumni. And, you know, for two years, we did alumni. We did uh, broadcasters. And we took a break this Christmas. We took the month of January. And I'm sitting there. And, I, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to go back and interview coaches. I really had fun doing that. So let's see who's going to say yes. So here we are. 2020 happens. We got the, the yuck of it's finally, I, I think it's been declared over now. So we, yeah. we come out on the other side. That was a very long two weeks. Um, and then 2022 comes and we're, we're here now at Albright. Mm-hmm. First, why was the, why the decision and, what is what are the short-term and long-term goals for you and the program? So the decision, you know, was was really I, I got to a point, um, you know, as COVID kind of wrapped up, you know, there's there's a brief, you know, very brief gap of probably like six weeks in my you know uh resume. I, I actually resigned from you know Bucknell mm-hmm. as a special teams coordinator, secondary coach, and um I during COVID. I actually got uh, my insurance license. So I am a licensed PNC, you know, property and casualty uh, and life insurance. Um, And I can also sell health insurance. Uh, So in the time that we were locked out of our office, like I'm just, I can't sit still. Right. And Mm -hmm. you kind of hit it on the head. I'm so used to, I'm recruiting, I'm doing this, like you're moving to the next thing. When COVID like shut us down, like I was going stir crazy. So I was like, okay, what else is, you know, what else can I do? You know, cause uh, you know, you just don't know. And, I, you know, somehow stumbled across this insurance thing and it was intriguing to me and connected with some people and, you know, took the test, you know, passed it and got my license. So at the time when I resigned from Bucknell, I kind of thought that I was done with coaching, right? I felt like I came back in. I loved it. I'm leaving on a high note. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. my passion was back. Uh, But, you know, maybe it was time to turn the page. Maybe COVID was eye-opening because at that point, we didn't know when COVID was going to end. I didn't know if we were yeah. going to have a season, you know, are they going to furlough us? You know, I got to figure out how I'm going to feed my family. So I, uh, you know, I, I got involved with insurance. I was all set to, to purchase a uh, insurance uh, all state agency just outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, literally a week or two before the deal fell through. You know, so now I'm like, wow. okay, what am I, what am I going to do? I've resigned, you know, I don't have a job, you know, I'm kind of trying to sort through these pieces and yes. You know, okay. Well, I'll, I'll go the independent insurance route. So I'm kind of putting some things together and I'm just about to, to kind of sign on and dive into this independent thing. When I get a call from my buddy again, and he's like, you know, look, you know, our DC just got the job at Pitt, you know, is there any way I know that you told me you were done and you were moving on? Is there any way? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was, 
before he could get the words out. So I came back for that spring. You know, uh, we, you know, we made it to the Patriot League championship game, but unfortunately we graduated a bunch of seniors. Uh, so we were going to have to kind of rebuild it all over again. Uh, so it was just kind of a, the, the fun part of kind of helping him to, to, to help get that culture pointed in the right direction. Uh, we had a tough season, you know, but, you know, felt like we built something that, you know, in, in a year or two, they were going to be able to, to be pretty competitive in the league. We beat Lehigh, we beat Colgate, beat Lehigh actually twice, uh, you know, which they hadn't done. There were the seniors that, you know, were on the squad, had never beaten Lehigh and Colgate. So, so we got to do some neat things that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of got the bug back again. It was kind of like, you know, do you want to, you know, lead a team again and, and build something? And I said, you know what? The only way I would do it is it's got to be a, a good location in terms of recruiting. You know, got to have tremendous support from the administration, uh, you know, and it has to be a place that understands and values, you know, a football team being successful. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it doesn't get any better than this place. And in fact, going back to where you initially kind of backed this question, when I was at, you know, Widener, we got pretty darn good, right? You know, we, you know, we were, hands down, you know, this us and Del Val and, you know, we went two and one against Del Val. So I would say we were kind of the cream of the crop, uh, you know, but it was a case where uh, our, you know, you know, whole, you know, process of building it. The only team that I feared in the league was Albright, you know, mm-hmm. because we never could beat them on financial aid. I mean, in three years that I was at Widener, we never beat them. Now we beat them on some kids. We convinced them to pay more, yeah. you know, so, that was, you know, something that I was like, wow, I mean, you know, you know, this, you know, when I got the call to, hey, you know, Albright opened up, I'm like, I really got to look into this because they're in a great location, you know, uh, with my background recruiting wise, we can branch out and recruit a little bit more national, but we also within two to three hours of our campus, we got, you know, some amazing football talent and, you know, facility wise, when I got here, they were pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of had some ideas and some things that, you know, uh, we could do to make it even better. And, you know, that happened faster than I thought, which, again, you know, goes and speaks to, uh, you know, our president, you know, uh, you know, uh, Jackie Fetro is 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 amazing. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, reminds me of, you know, Dr. Boyle, you know, uh, she kind of quickly told me how this city, the campus, the community is different when Albright football wins, you know, mm-hmm. and she wants to get back to that. Uh, so, you know, so you couple all of those things, it really was kind of a no brainer, especially after I interviewed and just when I met, you know, with the people, you know, and and just their excitement, you know, in terms of, you know, the, what football means to this campus and this community, you know, really, really kind of blew me away, you know, and, and it's been exciting. You know, we, we, we no doubt knew our struggles and knew that, you know, in some cases we were going to have to start from scratch, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, we've made some some really, really good progress, both facility-wise and cultural-wise. Super excited about where our kids are at going into the summer. Now, what is your message for the fan base and the alumni for the 2023 season? What I told them when I took over is, is that I can never put, you know, a number on number of wins. You know, mm-hmm. but what I promised them we would do is is that we're going to play championship caliber ball, right? You know, we're going to be, you know, a tough bunch that's going to play hard. We're going to be consistent. Um, you know, our mission and ultimate goal, you know, what I tell recruits is, is I want 100% graduation and I want 
each class to win at least one MAC title, right? Those are mm -hmm. lofty goals that we're going to chase. Um, I think that, you know, we are getting closer each day uh, to being able to, to kind of build something really special. Uh, so as I shared with them, I said, just be patient and trust the process. You know, if, if you can do that, we will get there, you know, and yeah. I also challenged them and say, we got to get you involved. We need you to roll your sleeves up, you know, uh, the renovations and the things that we're doing, those don't happen on their own, especially at our level, right? They're mm -hmm. all, you know, owner driven, you know, so I, you know, kind of really challenged them in the aspect of let's link arms. I promise you that, you know, we're going to you know, recruit, build and develop a product that you're going to be proud to be associated with, uh, you know, but we're going to need, you know, you to be patient with us as we navigate, you know, uh, really kind of getting back into a space of, you know, competing with, you know, the, the Del Valles of the world that have really done a, a great job the last few years and, and kind of have a stranglehold uh, on this conference, you know, so, so we got some work to do, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, chasing that down. You know, but I think our kids are excited and, and you know, uh, they better be because I you know, scheduled a heck of a schedule for them. So we got we got our work cut out for us, especially early on. Uh, but I just remember going back to my Widener days. I think one of the reasons why we got good is we were playing the Ithacas of the world. We went up and played Alfred State. You know, we played some people and got our nose a little bit bloodied. And then our kids figured out how to not get their nose bloody and we got pretty good. So we're going to kind of follow that same formula. Uh, I'm excited here because we do have resources and our administration is committed to the students, you know, so dialing back with COVID, we dialed back our tuition 45%, you know, so, wow. so we are, you know, in the realm of what a lot of state schools cost. Um, you know, they do a tremendous job in terms of merit scholarship money. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I can honestly tell you that, you know, in the you know, 15, 16 months, I've, I guess I've been on the job here. Uh, you know, we have not really lost a financial aid battle. Uh, you know, I think there's maybe one that I can think of off the top of my head. So so I think those are the things that are going to allow us to be very competitive. You know, we have to continue to do our part as coaches. You know, uh, when you look at the records, you know, uh, that scares a lot of kids away. Uh, so what our recruiting has been about is we want guys that are like me, like I'm rolling my sleeves up. I'm excited. I know we're going to win here and be successful. Uh, so I want to find players that believe in themselves. They're going to believe in the process. They want to get a great education uh, and they want to be developed as men, you know, which is something that's really important to our organization. Uh, Coach, what's the most important lesson you've learned over your career? <laughs> you got to go through something to get something, right? It's uh, something that I tell our players all the time, you know, and I think, you know, my personal life, um, you know, my professional life, um, all of those things, you know, kind of embody that, you know, and, and I think, you know, especially in this day and age where, you know, we, we, we kind of live in a society that, you know, everybody should get a trophy for participating. Right. And I grew up in an era where, you know, if you didn't win and you finished in last, they told you, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, so I think, you know, getting them to understand that, you know, failure is not fatal, you yeah. know, and you are willing to, you know, use a failure to propel you to success. Um, then that's the biggest difference. You know, I think sometimes people fail and they give up and quit, uh, you know, and, and what you know, we do inside of our organization is really to kind of get our young people to understand with our core principles of, you know, uh, what we believe in here and how we're going to build them up and the four pillars of success that we believe in, you know, developing principal leaders, developing our players physically, developing them mentally, developing them emotionally. It all mm -hmm. ties to your ability to be able to handle a world that's very random, you know, and, and that's where my passion lied going back to 1994 
uh, and it still, you know, lies there. And, and those things still stand the test of time, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, so for me, I'm, 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 I'm super excited about this opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm super appreciative of you giving us this platform. Um, and I know that, you know, you know, you know, not every coach probably took you up on it. And for those coaches, you know, shame on them, you know, because I think any opportunity we get to be able to speak on our sport in particular, but also to speak on division three and what we do, uh, we should soak it up, you know, so I really appreciate you doing that. Well, thank you, coach. Um, the last question is kind of goofy the way it's worded. Uh, I've asked everybody, was there a question you were expecting to get? And if so, how would you have answered it? Well, usually I get one of two questions. So I'm going to actually give you two. One is, is, you know, they, they usually, I get asked, you know, Hey, why were you so successful at Seton Hill and why, you know, you know, why, you know, or why were you so successful at Widener and why did you not have the same success at Seton Hill? Uh, and then the second is, is, you know, how did you score 90 points on a team in a game? You know, uh, you know, like, you know, what, you know, what, like what went into that and did you yeah. plan that? Did you like, you know, and, you know, and my answer to the first one is, is really kind of, I, I kind of tied it in, you know, we, we just, my administration and people change, you know, and I don't, I don't fault them, you know, because they didn't hire me, you know, so mm -hmm. the, the pretenses that I was hired under and, you know, what, you know, we were trying to establish and build, wasn't necessarily aligned with what they believed in. And it took me a little while to be able to be a big enough man to stand in front of you because when you get let go, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of emotions that are tied to it, you know, and for yeah. me, uh, I really kind of grew from it. You know, it certainly made me a, a, a better person, me and Chris Snyder, or, you know, uh, we, 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 you know, text back and forth ever so often. He was very happy when I got this job. Uh, you know, so, you know, our friendship is, is working to get back intact. Uh, but it's a case where, you know, that's that's just kind of how life is, you know, like, you know, change, you know, change is never good for anyone, you know, mm -hmm. and if you have too much of change, it makes it very difficult to adapt. Uh, so 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 that would be kind of my answer. To that first one, uh, the answer to the second one, which I, I spent years kind of defending it because it was a case where, you know, a lot of people thought because the the backdrop behind the 90 to nothing game, we're playing Wilkes at Widener the year before we go to Wilkes and we probably could not have played a worse game. And we were pretty good. We were kind of on the ascend uh, and we lose to Wilkes. Uh, so that drops us to, to, to nine and one. But at the end of the season, we're up 21, I think six or something like that on Del Val. And if we win that game, we still win the conference and we go to the playoffs and we lose, they come back and they beat us and we lose and we don't get an at-large bid. So we get a bowl game. And our kids were like, you know, beside themselves. And I just kind of, you know, at the halftime of the bowl game, because we were kind of sleepwalking, nobody wanted to be there. And I kind of, you know, went in and just went, you know, ballistic on them. And one of the things I said to them was, is that, you know, you controlled your own destiny. You're the one that went up to Wilkes and you dropped a, you know, you dropped a goose egg. Right? You guys didn't play well. You didn't take them seriously. And they beat you. You know, I said, so you got what you deserved. I said, so the fact that the committee did not vote you in your strength of schedule, yeah, you needed to beat Del Val not only to win the league, but also for strength of schedule because at the time the Mac wasn't that strong. And so they that they the kids remember that. They remember that. And and when we got to Wilkes, we were getting good again. And they had to come to our place and we probably had our best week of practice. Um, you know, and it wasn't just the starters, like the backup guys were locked in. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the fear factor of we were really good. 
and all they wanted was another shot at Del Val, you know, at the end of the season, you know, and they played extremely well. And we, we pulled guys out. I mean, I had a fifth string scale tailback score touchdown. Like it was just one of those crazy days. And, you know, I, I remember reaching out to their head coach and, you know, kind of trying to apologize. It took him a little while to kind of, you know, get over it because I can see the optics of it. Uh, you know, but it was a case where it was, it was not, it wasn't playing. done maliciously. It yes. was just the it was the game per playing itself out. Yes, yes. You know, and our kids played played hard and played well. So, so that part, you know, really kind of you know kind of hurt me a little bit because I don't think people saw how well our kids played. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just saw that you know, well, you know, you guys, you know, you were taking advantage of. It. And I'm like, there's no. I mean, like you don't understand. Like they they fumbled like a kickoff that rolled into the end zone. We jumped like one of those. So it was just like all of the things we were good and we were going to win the game, but all of the things just kind of aligned and it kind of got, you know, out of control. Uh, so, so I spent some time really kind of, and that's usually when people go through my bio that sticks out, you know, and they're just like, and it's kind of like, they want to know, like, did you really, you know, and, and my sidebar to that is, is, you know, I don't think anyone called urban Meyer when I was a defensive coordinator <laughs> at Citadel and they beat us 89 to 24. You know, I said, Nobody I called him out the call. So, you know, so so it's a case where like, you know, that was like, I'm like, you know, I'm catching all of this. I said, and this goes on all the time. And I'm sure that they're not getting bombarded with things like this. And I just kind of went to our kids and said, look, I said, I will take the heat of it. You just keep playing. You just stay mm-hmm. focused. And they did. And it led to a magical season that unfortunately ended up, uh, you know, at Mount Union, not not being able to kind of close it out. But that was a special bunch. And I was happy for them. Well, coach, I think that's a perfect place for us to to stop um i really appreciate you taking the time i will tell you that we're, we're in the works right now we're going to 10 games this year nice. we're gonna go to 10 games across different conferences that we, we got some empire eight schools we have some mac schools we have I, the pac you know i played in the pac so i gotta talk to those guys we got the oac and uh i might make my way out to uh north central i've been talking to coach spencer and we're trying to see <laughs> if maybe that that's a heck of a drive but now Redding, <laughs> pennsylvania isn't as far of a drive for me in morgantown west virginia so that might be feasible to do well, um, you you have an open invitation my man if you want to come out for sure well, I appreciate that. And for those of you that are sticking around, you know what comes next. It's the editorial with Serenity Brown. Uh, I promise we're not talking about moving from the beach to, to the north. We're, 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 mo- we're moving from the north to the beach is where we're, where we're heading. Coach, thank you very much, and we'll be right back. Absolutely. Appreciate you. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadalino. That's Serenity Brown, and this is the editorial with Serenity Brown. So, what you got for me this week? Coach Isaac Collins of Albright. It was long. Up by you, huh? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> to me, New York is just, that's you up there. It's kind of like when, it's, it's kind of like everybody that I meet. Uh, oh, you're from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. That's all you. The whole fucking gambit. Um, it was good. But there is one pressing issue about the interview that I'm going to point out. I would never move from the beach to Philly. So no. No, I don't ever. think you I, didn't. <laughs> I think you would. I'm pretty sure in the episode I said, yeah, yeah I don't think that's a... It's a crime. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's dedication is what it is. It's dedication to your craft. Um, no, I had a really good time. It was a very long interview, but it was one of those 
Um, as we've had a little bit longer interviews in the past, sometimes some people are going to give you 30 minutes. Some people are going to give you an hour. Coach Collins was very forthcoming with me that maybe a half hour wasn't going to be long enough. And, and I appreciate sometimes it. I appreciate him taking sometimes the time. Sometimes a half an hour just doesn't. Well, it's, it's nice. not enough time to get your story out. I mean, he gave us his time, and I appreciate yeah. I appreciate that um, more than uh, some of these coaches realize. I, I enjoy – actually, I did an interview – not last week, but the week before. And after the, at the end of the interview, the coach asked me, so you really enjoy doing these? And I, it was kind of like, sh like a shocked, quite like the way that he asked it. It was almost you like, like you enjoy doing this. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those, um, I really do. I enjoy talking about D3 football and I enjoy finding out what makes these coaches kind of tick. Um, also, it's pretty cool to be moving into another conference. So I think now you just like talking. I do, I do. <laughs> but I also enjoy the fact that you know um, we started with the OAC and we had we had the PAC. Uh, we do have a big for those of you that don't know we have the Big Ten is thrown in there. Penn State is on that list, um, and then you know now we're moving into the MAC, uh, the Division Three version of the MAC. Um, the Empire Eight's coming up, the Liberty League, the Landmark. Um, which we have a lot of really good coaches, and this was kind of the first outside, really outside of the comfort yeah. zone. Um, not outside of the comfort zone; it's a poor way to say that, but it outside I what of you meant, though. yeah. I um, so, as you've noticed for the past couple of weeks, we have I've thrown top fives at at this one here. <laughs> uh, we are going to do that again. First, I want to thank you if you're watching on YouTube. Really appreciate you. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Don't miss out on any of the episodes. Go back and watch a couple if you are so inclined. Um, you can also, for those of you listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and everywhere else that you can get your podcast, thank you. Uh, please keep listening. If you uh, if you haven't yet, hit the little that little bell thing so you get the notifications. Um, you can also follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The only one that's different is the Instagram page, which is dingo underscore talk. Um, and this past weekend was Father's Day. So if my dad actually watches this, he'll find out that I wished him happy Father's Day and it was his birthday on Sunday. So happy birthday. You're 64, you're old. Um, yeah, I think that covers it. You're old and, and I appreciate you uh, still being around. So I, I, I think that's the nicest way to, yeah, to say you're glad that you're around for your 64th trip around the sun. Um, all right, so top five. Disney villains. You told me. Told her and she didn't do it. Here's the shock of the century. Okay. All right, we're going to continue, though. Go ahead. Now, for those of you that watched last week, I remember being asked if I was going to specifically, in advance, give you the question. I don't even know what time it is. I think it's six almost 7 o'clock at night. So seven hours ago, I asked you to pick seven. Seven. Yeah. It was noon. Seven hours ago, I asked you to pick five names, which was not as hard, you would think, as picking the three names from the person, from the grouping of your major that you went and spent money in college for. Are we going to get to it? No, because I don't even want to do it. Who's your, who's your five? I just want to hear five. Give me five villains. 
take that. All right, I'll give you my five. Way. Number five is Cruella because that looks like scary. No, we ain't doing that. You were gonna give you gonna give your five. You're gonna have five to, to think about while I'm doing my five. Number two, number four, and it's a little tough for me because I think we had this argument. I don't consider him a villain, but he is in the in this movie sense, Hades. I swear to God, you motherfucker. Yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> yes, I just said. That's what you get. You bitch. That's what you get. Every right to fuck no. off. No. Go ahead, walk right off. Bye. Bye. You didn't come prepared once again. We've been doing this for 14 fucking weeks. And the goddamn. Don't tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to end it. We'll see you next week, chuckleheads. Thanks for checking out this episode of Dingo Talk. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. For more info and to contact the show, you can find us on Twitter at Dingo Talk.